Dear Lord God, we thank you for your work throughout the world and here in Birmingham. We know that you are at work even in places where we can't see your hand at work. And so we trust you in that. And we ask now that you would open our eyes to your work in the world through your son, Jesus. So we thank you for him and for um, the remembrance of his birth. Let him be born in our hearts again today, we ask, especially through this time right now. So we ask it in his name, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, well, I said this to the people who are here, but... Um, well, there's some chairs up here. If anybody doesn't have a chair and wants one, there's some, and then there's some back there too. Um, I didn't know that I was gonna have a projector, but I did. So I just put some pictures on. I'm just gonna leave them on while I talk. And you guys, seriously, you have, you can pay attention to that instead of me if you would like to. That's, I would love to do that too. Um, I could talk about those kids all day. So, um, also, I have this. Well, I send out um, quarterly email updates. And if you would like to receive those and you don't, I have um, this. You can write your email address and I'll put you on there. Um, so you guys can just keep passing that around. And I'll get it at the end. Um, so um, I think I know most of you guys, but for those of you that I don't know, um, I'm Elizabeth Elliott. Um, and I am from Birmingham. I grew up at Advent, and um, I worked here with Cameron in the youth ministry um, <laughs> uh, for a couple years after college. And a year ago, I moved to Nicaragua, and I work um, in a Christian school called Nicaragua Christian Academy in Matagalpa, Nicaragua, which is in the like central northern mountain area of Nicaragua. For all of you that know your Nicaraguan ge geography. Um, <laughs> And these are my kids. They're awesome. Um, they don't always dress like that. That's Independence Day. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so um, it's kind of hard. To, well, my topic is um, the gospel at work in Nicaragua, so it's kind of broad. But um, as I thought about what I wanted to share with you guys in the short time that we have, um, I thought about two things and, and probably, you know, there's a lot more to say about both of them, so um, I'm not exhausting any topic. I feel like I need to put that disclaimer on there. Um, so the first, um, the first kind of point or question that I want to answer is just talking about how how the gospel is at work in Nicaragua at our school specifically, and um, and then the second one is why like why do we go why does the gospel call us um to go to places like nicaragua and um and then i am gonna try to leave at least 10 minutes for questions at the end so um if you guys have questions you can hold on to them until the end um so um how is the gospel at work in nicaragua um I, like i said i could talk about this all day um but I'm just going to kind of talk about one, um, one little thing that, that I've seen um, through this year in our school. Um, our school, this is our first year open in Matagalpa. Um, we're the third school in, an, in a school association, but this is our school's first year. We just finished our first school year. Um, so as we kind of look back on the school year, um, it is cool to see that God really has been gracious to show us a lot of the ways that he has been at work. Um, when you work with humans, that does not always happen. Um, and a lot of times you see a lot more brokenness than you see redemption. And we definitely do see a lot of brokenness. Um, 
but we have been um, lucky to be able to see a lot of growth and fruit this year in our in our school community as well. Um, so a lot of times when you start a new school, um, some a friend of mine put it this way, which sounds pretty harsh, but um, a lot of times when you start a new school, you kind of get the riffraff um, of <laughs> your community because no one it's it takes some guts to um, send your kids to a new school that they don't know anything about um, and so a lot of the parents that we get are parents of kids who are just kind of at the end of their rope um, at other schools or for for whatever reason so we have a lot of kids who um, have been have had a lot of um, behavior or academic problems at their old schools or um, <clears throat> we have a lot of kids who we have several kids with special needs um, that weren't being dealt with at their old schools, and then we have um, several kids who, um, <clears throat> lots of kids actually, who were um, like picked on a lot or like really bullied at their old school, and so socially they were just fed up and <coughs> need a new place. So um, that's kind of our community that we came in with, and and then there are a few parents who were who were just sort of the pioneers, like they're willing to. Um, invest in something new and our teachers are that way too um, because they're not getting anything you know they're not like making a ton of money um, but they were excited about investing in something new so um, it made for a really cool community this year and um, I think that one thing that that we saw at the end of the year when we looked back um, was that our kids um, our kids Whereas at the beginning of the year they came in um, not knowing who they were or or thinking that they were no one um, and that had been reinforced by lots of different people their community um, and at the end of the year they were part of a community that where they were loved and where they felt like they had value and um, and and they knew their identity not just as part of the school but um, in Christ and that God brought that community together and he did that work in the community that's not something that we really set out with a specific purpose to do um, he did it and he I mean we include we the teachers are included in that community and it's a really really cool thing to see um, next year this year we had part of the reason why we were such a little family this year our, kid, our students and our teachers was because we only had um, 42 students and that's first through seventh grade. Next year, um, our student body is tripling, and um, so we're going to have at least 130 students next year, um, and our staff is doubling. So um, our kids that were here last year, um, our little 42 kids who came in, kind of the riffraff, um, next year they are going to be in a position of leadership in their classes and, and amongst their friends and um, a lot of there are several cases that we know about of um, you know kids who who did pick on them and bully them who they kind of escaped to our school um, those kids are coming to our school now and and but but our kids who were there last year have a new you know they're new they have a new um, sense of confidence and and now they're going to be the leaders in their classrooms which so that is just like the tiniest little um, snippet of the redemptive work that God is doing um, in Nicaragua. Um, we see it, um, 
I can tell you guys about a specific kid. And if he comes up on the slideshow, I'll point him out because I know he's in here. Um, but his name's Miguel Angel. And um, he is, um, he, well, diagnosed by me. <laughs> Think, uh, special needs don't really get diagnosed very often, but uh, he's a pretty classic Asperger's case. Um, and um, so he, sorry, I'm watching to see if he comes up. But um, he came to our school and the first, like I literally taught with him in a headlock for the, at least the first week because um, he like, would just bolt and like run far away like he just couldn't handle being a classroom and the more we kind of learned about um, his story and um, what he was coming into the school with we learned um, he hadn't really been in school for about a year because he um, at his last school which was a public school and I don't like I don't mean to demonize these schools because the teachers are just under like Typically, teachers will have 70 kids in their classroom. So if you can imagine 70, like, second graders, and, I mean, in, in a class of 70, several of them probably have severe behavioral issues. And um, so, anyway, he just got totally, like, <laughs> neglected at his school. And he sometimes thinks that he's a superhero, so he'll, like, climb up on things and try to jump off of them. And so at his last school, um, he – oh, this is him. Um, Is that him in the cage and that's him now. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and that's still him. <laughs> He's having a conversation with himself with his puppet. Um, <laughs> but he, so he had, and anyway, there was some big accident. We don't really know exactly what happened, but he has this massive scar on his leg. And, um, and so he kind of had this, like, fear of, of school because I think that um, the accident was certainly not the teacher's fault, but it wasn't um, dealt with well, and his mom had this kind of fear of school, too, and, and he was just never, like, understand, I don't know what I would do in a class of 70 kids and, and a Miguel Angel, you know, like, I think that I probably would just send him out of the class every day, too, but, but he came in with this concept of, um, <coughs> like, I'm a terrible kid, um, and... I, I'm never going to do anything right, um, and um, often, t especially the first probably half of the year when he would get in trouble, he would, like, physically beat himself and, like, yell, um, yell those things about himself, and um, looking at him from the beginning of the year and the end of the year is um, just truly remarkable, and it's, it's God. I mean, we we were just surviving this year, you know, and so we're like the things that happened in our kids were were God because we we couldn't even like, <laughs> yeah, we were just surviving. So um, the end of the year, he um, is he's uh, an integral part of his class. Um, he feels like he has something to contribute to his class and to school. Um, he played Jesus in the Easter program, which was like his shiny moment of the year. And he did some um, impromptu like acting in the middle, which was awesome. And, um, and he, um, he has, yeah, he's just like, he can tell you um, that, that he's important to his class and why. And, um, and he's been, that's him too. He's the lion down there. Um, <laughs> um, he's been, um, yeah, he just, he, he feels secure. He feels safe. And that's not just 
the school. Um, he doesn't just feel safe at the school, but he feels safe because that's him. Um, he knows that his identity is not in in what he does. Um, that's a conversation that he and I had a lot. Um, we do bad things, and what you just did was bad. Um, <laughs> but but that's not who you are. Um, you know, Christ comes. Um, Christ came because we are sinners. That's why he had to come. Um, but he's given you a new identity and he's, he's made, he's adopted you as his child. You're valuable and you're, you're important to him, you. Um, and he can say some of those things now. And there's a long way to go, um, as far as him really believing that. But, um, but that's just a little picture of, um, of the work that God has, has been doing at our school this year. And, um, so the second question, um, the second question that we have there is, why do we go? Like, why has God put me, why has God taken me out of Birmingham and put me at the school? Um, question that I asked a lot, especially um, before I moved, is God is obviously capable of doing all of this work. In, I mean, in all of our lives, in their lives, without me, and without anyone. Like, he could just do it, you know? Um, so why does he call us um, away from our people, um, away from the places that are comfortable, um, to go to a new place and to, um, to be a part of his work there? And um, so the first, when I kind of, when I ask that question, the first um, thing that I feel like I need to say is that scripture is pretty clear that this is a call and a mandate. Um, it's, you know, we shouldn't like muddle scripture where it's clear and, and scripture is clear that we should go and make disciples of all nations. And it's clear that we should do justice and love mercy and that we should, um, have compassion for the least of these. And so, um, you know, in some senses, like that can be an answer to that question. Right. Um, we don't need to make that less clear than it is. Um, but but that's not really how God works either. Like, he doesn't just give us mandates and tell us to do it without any, any other explanation. And um, and um, so if the why there really is, it's a Christmas message. And so um, I want to read a little bit from um, the Gospel of John. Um, This is John 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness to the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the world became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, 
glory as of the only Son of, from the Father, full of grace and truth. Um, and it goes on. Let's continue talking about that. But but so when we see when we see Christmas and we when we see Jesus, who was who is God and was in perfect communion with God from all of eternity, um, who left that and came into our world. Um, he became one of us, and um, he he humbled himself to to enter into our world to bring us um, grace and mercy and to and to make us a part of his family um, through his atonement to make us adopted children of God. Um, we see that's what Jesus said, right? And so he calls when he calls us to enter into um, someone else's world and um, to bring them a message of, of mercy um, or an act of mercy, we're, we're pointing to him. Um, and we, you know, we do that because of Christmas, but we can do it because of Easter. Um, we're, we're sinners and we can't, um, we can't even, like, grace isn't even a part of our sinful nature. Um, but it, but it is because of Easter. It's a part of our, our redeemed nature. Um, and we're, we're creatures of a God who loves, um, redemption and restoration and, um, and justice and mercy. And so, um, our, our sinful selves don't love those things, but, but our redeemed selves, um, we're created to rejoice in redemption and to, to long for those things and, um, and to, to be a part of them. Um, God is, he says, behold, I'm making all things new. And, um, and that's now, and it's not completely now, right? Like that's the advent message where we're here in the now and the not yet, but, um, but we are part of it now. We're part of his, his restoration now. And, um, and we get to rejoice in that as, as his creatures and as, as his, um, yeah, as his children. Um, so I guess there's a lot that I didn't talk about that I would have loved to talk about, but, um, God is clear that he does call us all to go, right? He calls us all to go and to, and to bring, um, to make disciples of all nations, to bring his, um, his message of grace and mercy, um, to a world that's not our own. Um, now he's called me to go to Nicaragua, which is not like the, the farthest place in the world. Like actually it, it is not that far and it's not that different. Um, and I'm risking really nothing by being there. And, um, and there are plenty of people that he calls to, to much farther away places. Um, into much more more dangerous places and um, where they have to leave a lot more behind, um, but but also like we can enter into someone else's world and someone else's life to to bring them this this same message in the way that Jesus did. I mean, even in our own homes um, in Birmingham, we can. Um, maybe that's the other side of town, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's the other side of the country or the world, or maybe it's not. But but that. I mean, the act of doing that, we are pointing to Jesus because that is that is the
the Christmas message. Um, and, um, yeah, and we do it, we do it because he calls us to, but we do it because um, we're, we're made for, for restoration. We've received redemption, and, and we're made to rejoice in that as well um, in our world. Um, and that looks, that looks different for everyone. Everyone's, um, I think everyone has distinct gifts and callings, and, and it's going to look different for everyone. Um, so, um, <laughs> well, I could keep talking, but, <laughs> but I kind of just want to do question and answer now. <laughs> we probably all have a lot of questions, and, you, and this is your chance to ask Elizabeth whatever's on your mind, from what do you actually eat there? I also have this question of what is the strangest thing that's happened to you that's so specifically Nicaraguan? Oh, gosh. Um, what, I'm giving them to you now, so you can okay. go ahead. Um, what other questions do you have that you're wondering in this time that we've been missing Elizabeth? We're, we got used to having her here all the time, didn't we? And this room, as full as this room is, this is a sign of how much you are loved here, Elizabeth, and missed. Um, and how much we rejoice in the calling that the Lord's given you. Um, so we want to know more about it. So does it, who has a question for Elizabeth about what she's doing in Nicaragua, what the Lord's doing in Nicaragua, anything about Nicaragua? Liz, I have a question. There's a picture up there mm-hmm. with you like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The kids go, is that the Simba pose? No, <laughs> that's funny. We were just being animals. <laughs> Yes. Um, so we're hearing that it's a private school and a private Christian school. I have uh-huh. questions about that. Okay. First of all, you've been saying a little bit about the need for it, that in the public schools they get kind of just a lot of propaganda. Do the public schools prepare students for working a trade or having a viable job within the Nicaraguan economy? Um, and if not, how does your school? Um, I mean... I would say no, but that's how everyone gets to the workforce, you know, but I don't think that they're prepared well. I think that that's a huge reason why Nicaragua is is poor um, because of the education system. Um, and specifically, there's a lack of, um, there's a lack of, like they don't foster critical thinking at all or creativity. And so, um, it's hard. I know all of you students are like, that sounds awesome. All I have to do is memorize the, te- the answer to my test, and I get a 100, but it's not awesome. <laughs> um, because it means that, that um, yeah, when they become adults, they don't know how to think. Um, they don't know how to do anything except exactly what they see everyone else doing. And, and you know, that plays into a lot of things, but especially economically. Um I don't think, I mean, I don't think that they prepare people. Um, our school, like, um, one of our our big focuses is critical thinking and creativity, and it's because we've kind of seen that's where the, um, the rest of the education system is lacking. And so, um, and for us, that is, is based in a, biblical worldview so we like and it's it's all tied together like we want we want to see our students um see the world through a biblical lens and 
and be able to think critically about culture and about politics and about everything that, you know, if they own a business, like how they're treating their employees and, and to think about it and to analyze it and, um, and do that through a biblical lens. Um, um, that's, I think that the Protestant church in Nicaragua, because of a lack in education, I think also lacks, um, you know, they, they don't study the Bible. They don't analyze, they don't, um, think really. Um, and it, yeah, that's tied together as well. Did you say the Protestant church in Nicaragua? Mm -hmm. What, what about the Catholic church? Do they? The, the I actually, um, well, I should put a disclaimer. I've been, I've only been exposed to a very little bit of the Catholic Church in Nicaragua, but um, from what I've seen, from the the like the clergy um, and the people who are actually a part of the church, um, I've been pretty impressed. I think that there's a sense of like we're here, we're here forever, so. Like, we can say things that aren't popular. We're not afraid that, like, they're not going to pay us because we're monks and um, or we're priests. And, yeah, um, there's not, like, any sense of, like, power play in that. And um, and in the Protestant church there is. So, yes, I think that, like, the, the very little bit that I've been exposed to the Catholic church, from <laughs> that side of it, the priests preach from Scripture and... And they preach things that aren't that are biblical, but not necessarily popular. Um, and definitely, the the um, Catholic population, much of the Catholic population is it's purely cultural. Um, so I don't know that that necessarily applies to Catholic Catholics um, as a whole. But I don't know if that answered your question or not. Can you give an example of what would be biblical but not um, yes, um, sex, <laughs> um, is one thing there, the, the sex culture is, like, um, pretty loose, and the evangelical church just doesn't really speak, it's just kind of a no-go zone, um, and, um, how you use your money, surprisingly, Nicaraguans are, are very materialistic. The Catholic church teaches Yes. Yes. Sorry. Um, and that's I, I I'm I, I want to be careful to say that I'm not making a blanket statement for all of Catholics in Nicaragua because yeah, like I said, a very small. This is what I've seen. Um, yeah, how you use your money. Nicaraguans tend to be fairly materialistic, um, surprisingly, because they usually have very little, um, and so. Yeah, like calling people to um, to give um, and to um, yeah, like the way you treat people who are different from you. Um, I don't know. There are just certain things that I would say that they're like the from the little that I've heard, a little bit more um, like of an accepting church as far as like we're all God's people and we're sinners because there's not the sort of like anxiety of like we have to prove that we're a real church like we have to prove because the, the Protestant church is still kind of new and they're they're yeah I don't know if that makes sense at all okay <laughs> um 
I was wondering if there were any parochial schools. Yes, there are. Um, there are a lot of Catholic schools, and they are the Catholic Church is very tied to the government, and so they're usually um, public schools are really bad. So, if you can get to a, a Catholic school, like people do it. It's not abnormal to go to to Catholic schools. There are very few non-Catholic private schools. Um, so yes, there are. They're not necessarily all that different, if it, if any different. <laughs> Maybe have smaller class sizes. And do they still embrace this whole uh, social justice theory of... The Catholic Church? Mm -hmm. mm, I don't really think so. Okay. Um, Interesting. Do you mean, like, that was a, a big part of... Well, rejecting an established government because oh. that government doesn't take care of the people. Mm -hmm. Like a liberation theology. Liberation theology, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the only way that the gospel can be proclaimed is through social liberation. Right, yeah. yeah. As opposed to government. I think that would be getting even heightened with the new pope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure that I have enough of a of a sense about that to really be able to answer that question well. Did you have a question, Cameron? Even over here too. I was gonna ask, I think for a lot of us thinking about the idea of like leaving America, going to Nicaragua, is this traumatic idea of being uh, stripped of our creature comforts, our Starbucks and mm -hmm. um, you know, the movies and things like that. Would you speak to the um, the pros and cons of that for you in terms of like the joy and joy versus suffering in your life? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think that, um, like, living in Nicaragua is not as dramatic as maybe you might think it is. <laughs> um, I don't know. People compare living in Managua, which is the capital, to, like, living in the United States in the 50s as far as, like, what's available like food that's available, like how you do your housework, I don't know, things like that. Um, and so Matagalpa uh, would probably be like living in the country in the 50s. It is a city, but there's a lot less that's available. Um, but like I live next door to a grocery store that has basically most things that I would want. Um, it has like, you know, the most basic foods and things like that. And um, um I can usually find, I don't know, things are, things are, as far as like things that you can buy and find, usually they're um, a lot poor, more poor quality and a lot more expensive. Um, they're usually like secondhand things from the states, but they're like n the same price as it would be new or more than it would be new in the states. Um, so I don't know. I mean, some of those things are like annoying, but they don't really affect my life on a day-to-day -day basis, I guess, in a, in a huge way. Um, yeah, and the same with, like, teaching. Like, as far as things that are available, like, materials that are available for teaching, it's kind of the same way. Like, sometimes it's kind of like, oh, that would be so nice if I could just go to the teacher store and buy that. But it's not really that big of a deal. Um, I think that it's been – okay, pros and cons. Pro would probably be that there are – less distractions. Um, life is a little bit simpler. Um, yeah, it's not 
it is busy in, in one sense, like we work really hard, but it's not busy in, in sort of a frenzied, like, frenzied sense. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm less materialistic than I was, though. I think that a lot of people think that you go there and, like, you don't ever think about anything material ever again, but really you're like, oh, my gosh, all I want is Target. All I want is Target. <laughs> and so in some senses it's a little bit more. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, and I think, like, our, our community, that's something that you kind of leave behind is community and people who are like you. Um, we have a really small community of North Americans in Masagalpa, and um, sometimes that's hard, but it's also awesome because they're, like, my family, you know? And so, like, I, I realized when I came here, oh, yeah, you have to, like, call people to go see them. You can't just, like, show up at their house. And um, everyone, like, not everyone's, like, live. I mean, I don't know. It's, like, family. So that's kind of, that's a pro and a con, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's a good enough answer or not. Where will these kids go to high school? We will be a high school. Oh, yeah, we're gro we're growing. This year we were first through seventh um, grade, and next year we'll be K through eight. And so we'll grow down to like three K to eleventh grade, which is the last grade in the Nicaraguan school system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just interested in what's going to happen if you triple your size. I mean, what are the need, what are the physical needs? Um, well, our students do pay tuition. Some of them are on scholarships. So, um, like the idea is that eventually the school will be self-funded, except for maybe scholarships, which are kind of like individual donors. Um, and but. The building did, like, the construction of the school happened through individual donors. Um, and so, yes, it is, it's really nice. Um, yeah, and we're really grateful. And we built three more classrooms next year. Um, our, school's tr our, our school's tripling, but, like, we probably could have accommodated that number this year because we just had small class sizes. Um, and so... Yeah, like we, our average class size is probably like four this year, and next year it'll be probably 20. Um, so they'll, you know, they'll still be in their same classrooms. We're adding three classrooms because we have two grades that are being added, and then um, one will be, this year it'll be like a, probably an English slash art room, and then next year um, it might, we might not build again next year depending on whether we have money. So, yeah, like the physical needs, though, like even though it, it's still kind of like a stress um, where the money is going to come from to keep growing. Because if we want to grow a grade a year, we have to build a classroom every year. And, and that money, like right now, that money is not going to come from our students, our, our tuition. So, um, so, yeah, I think. Can you address the benefit? Why would we even charge them tuition? Um, I, Why wouldn't you just yeah. give it to them? Well, that was not my decision, <laughs> but um, but I would have made the same decision. I think um, uh, investing in education is not necessarily part of the Nicaraguan schema. Like, that's not something that they think about. And honestly, for most of us in this room, it's not something that we really think about either because we have good we have good public schools. But I think for most of the U.S., like, it's a big part of their life paying for 
private schools, a lot of the U.S., I guess. Um, and um, so, yeah, we want, I mean, we want them to value it um, and investing in it as a way to allow them to value it. Um, yeah, I think we, like, I think that it, our school is expensive for Nicaraguans. It's $65 a month, which I think for a private school here is like pennies, but for them it's really expensive. For, for people in Montegalpa, it's really expensive. And um, some of them are on scholarships or on discounts, but um, even the ones that are on scholarships, they don't almost, there are only two of our students that have full scholarships. Um, and yeah, it's just, a, it's just a more kind of, yeah, it's just a way to allow them to be a part of it and to invest in it. Right, they're investing, even as they're investing their money, they're also investing motivationally, they're committing mm -hmm. to educating their children and looking for a change in their family yeah. situation. I think it would be kind of ridiculous if we didn't charge that. Like, I think that people would just come and go, like in the middle of the school year. I think that, yeah, there would just be no commitment at all. So. I have one last question, mm -hmm. and then we'll close in prayer. Kay. My last question for you, you talked about going. Mm -hmm. and that we're all called to go in some way, whether that's even locally or um, Nicaragua. How did you know that God was calling you specifically, Elizabeth Elliot, to go and to go specifically to Nicaragua? Um, <laughs> I kind of hate this question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that um, it's a really hard question to answer because it's not always necessarily, like, clear. Um, and this is the case with any... I think that sometimes people put a lot of weight on, like, if you're called to um, be ordained or move to another country and be a missionary, but nothing else. Like, people don't put weight on anything else. So, um, But I, you know, it's... Um, it's something that I had been interested in since high school and, um, kind of moved in that direction, like, um, majored in Spanish because I wanted to be able to, like, talk to my friends in Costa Rica. And, um, yeah, it was something that I was just constantly interested in and thinking about and, um, and, um, yeah, kind of investing time in, and it, I thought that it, I thought that I would probably move somewhere, probably to Costa Rica, ride for college, and, um, it was pretty clear that that was not the right thing, so, um, so that's how I ended up back here at Advent, and, um, I kind of stopped, like, I didn't really, it wasn't forefront on my mind while I was here, but, um, <laughs> kind of as my time here was, was winding down, I started thinking about it more and was like, well, you know, this is something that I've been thinking about for 10 years, so I should probably, like, try it out. I don't know. Um, but, but really, I think that really what it was was this specific opportunity came about um, through Mike and Lauren Viber for in um, Managua. And um, I've been praying about, like, you know, if I'm going to do this, like, these are kind of things that I know that I'll need or, or like where I'll fit best. And, um, and I wasn't totally expecting all of those things to, to happen, but, um, yeah, this opportunity came about and it was, it just felt like 
it just felt like a really good fit. I know that's a terrible answer, but um, <laughs> so I think that, yeah, part of it is, you know, I, I felt at peace with the idea of going, and then part of it is that it's just kind of, I mean, it's been confirmed since I've been there, like it's been a good thing since I've been there. But. Does it make you happy? Yes. <laughs> okay, so if, just, if I can sum up and then I'm going to close. I, what I've heard you say was you were interested, you learned about it, it kept coming up. You never heard God say, Elizabeth, I want you to go <laughs> <laughs> It was just there. You were interested, and the door opens, and you said yes, and you have peace about it, and you have a lot of joy. So we're going to give thanks to God for that right now in prayer, and we're going to ask the blessing. So let's pray. So dear Lord God, we thank you and praise you for the work that you are doing in Nicaragua. We see your hand at work, and we thank you for the work that you're doing in Elizabeth's life. We see your hand at work in her life and in the way you are working through her in the lives of Nicaraguans who know you, who don't know you, who need so much in their life, but above all else, need that peace and joy that comes from knowing their Savior, Jesus. So we thank you for her willingness to go, and we thank you, Lord, for that joy that you've given her in going. And we ask that even as she um, is here, that you would give her rest in this time at home, that you would fill up her cup of soul with overflowing so that as she returns to Nicaragua, she would feel that great joy again, even as she's poured out in service for those who don't know you and those who do know you. Um, thank you, Lord, for your love made manifest to her and speak your words of love over her. And we ask the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to be upon her and everyone here today and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Amen.